0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief of Modern Retail. And this week, we have Kate Lubineski. She's the president of WMP. And we're going to get into the whole world of containers and fun little cups and things and and all that jazz. WMP is a really interesting company just for all the fun products you guys sell. And I want to talk about that, sort of the history of the company. We'll go into it all. But, Kate, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. I am a huge fan of the podcast, so I feel... Honored to be oh, with you today.
0: Oh, well, I'm. Thank you for listening. I appreciate that. Um, so, for those who don't know, do you want to just give a brief rundown about what is WMP? How did it begin?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, WMP is a modern kitchen brand. Um, we make products for the way we eat and drink today. And the company was founded ten years ago, actually this year, um, by our founders Josh Williams and Eric Prum. Mm-hmm. And they were college roommates and best friends. And they started a uh, catering business after they graduated from college. And the way that WMP was born is that they had, uh, in this catering business, they used to take mason jars to make cocktails during parties. And they would kind of punch holes in the lid to strain the cocktails. And they thought, <laughs> you know, necessity is the mother inven- of invention. And they thought, there's got to be a-, a better product here. And the idea was born for the mason jar cocktail shaker. And that was their first product. And interestingly, it was the first product to go viral on Kickstarter. Um, so back in the day, Kickstarter was quite young. Um, and they were the first product to go viral. And that's how they got their funding to make the first WMP product. And we've been creating and innovating in the kitchen product category ever since.
0: Wow. And so that was 10 years ago. What has sort of been the, the product expansion roadmap since then?
1: What I think is most interesting about wMP is that over the years, Josh and Eric really tried a lot of different things um, you know cutting boards and cocktail kits and and lots of different types of products and Over the years, and with those dozens, if not hundreds of products, they were able to really refine a very singular point of view, um, which I think is interesting versus just launching and saying, I'm going to be everything to everyone. They sort of tested and iterated and listened to their community and watched the sales and, and what's working, but they also had their finger on the pulse of kind of what is happening in the cocktail culture, what's happening in the food culture. And so over those 10 years, we've really refined our point of view to be kind of equal parts function and design. And I think that that's our secret sauce, which is that it's not just about how the product functions, which we have an absolute laser focus on, but it's also, does it look good? Does it make you smile when you're using it? Is it not only functionally fantastic, but is it um, something you're sort of proud to have and to carry around? And does it make you feel a little more joyful in your everyday?
0: What is your most best-selling product?
1: Our most best selling product is uh, yeah. actually
0: a... <laughs> I'm an editor, you can tell.
1: <laughs> um, you know, we have, it's interesting because we have different, um, kind of different categories. And so when you have a product that's in like Target, for example, with their, you know, hundreds, thousands of doors, an item in that, in that store can be your number one in terms of units. But I would say our best direct-to-consumer product is really in our Porter collection, and is probably our porter mug, which is uh, a, a basically a drinking vessel that's designed to take your hot beverages with you on the go. But what's different about it is that in the porter collection, we really focus on materials and using classic durable materials that the consumers are used to eating and drinking from. And so instead of having, you know, a stainless mug, we had a ceramic mug that's wrapped in silicone, which is absolutely beautiful, super functional, but gives you that classic experience of drinking out of ceramic, which is what you're used to drinking your coffee out of. And the consumers really responded to that. So again, kind of a different point of view um, in terms of the material used, but also a different point of view in terms of this is a gorgeous mug that it makes you happy to take it with you as
0: well. Wow! So let's let's switch gears and tell me a little about yourself because you joined in February of 2020. Is that correct? That is. <laughs> what a, what correct. a time to join a company! Um, but <laughs> what were you doing before? I, I you have uh, I was checking out your LinkedIn. You have a really storied history with like sort of consumer products.
1: Yeah, um, I would say it's. Ever since college, I've really just been in the kitchen product space for the most part. Um, always in home products, and really spent the majority of my career and um, my early years at OXO. I was employee number seven at at uh, at that company, which at the time was you know wow. twelve kitchen gadgets, and we were like, I don't know, does this thing have legs or not? Um, and <laughs> so it was it was almost like an on the job MBA to watch the company go from I don't know it was probably twenty million when I joined to. The hundreds of millions it was when I left. Um, I left to join Swell Water Bottles, which at that time was on a huge growth trajectory. Um, really fun to watch a business go from you know zero to a hundred so quickly. Um, moved into consulting. Worked at Bolin Branch, who um, are absolutely wonderful company and brand. If you've never heard of them, I'm sure you have. Um, but really. Gorgeous kitchen, uh, kitchen, uh, bedroom products, you know, sheets and towels and but all ethically sourced fair trade, which is a wonderful deep dive into sustainability and, and kind of good governance and corporate practices. Then tried my hand at my own startup, which is really, really hard. Uh, did, the, <laughs> did that for a year in the kitchen product space, but sustainable. Um, And really, we didn't have a ton of funding. So, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for entrepreneurs who really can kind of make a go of it without without angel investors or big corporate backing. And then, uh, yeah, met Josh and Eric. And it was kind of all of my experience up until that date just felt like such a perfect fit for WMP. Wow. Then again, it was February of 2020. So that was an interesting time.
0: <laughs> we'll get we'll get into all that. I have a very very specific nerdy niche question, but um, and it's because of something I've been doing recently, and I apologize for doing this, but um, you were part of the early days at Oxo. Um, I have recently been watching, and I can't explain why, just endless amounts of America's Test Kitchen, the show. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and so I feel like they really repped your brand in the early two thousands. Did that have a considerable impact on on Oxo's like sales being on this sort of public access show where it was people nerdily testing out gadgets?
1: You know, I think there were so many things happening for OXO that, that were positive. I have to say America's Test Kitchen was definitely one of them. Um, And and what they did um, was really bring to life the thoughtful design that went into those products. And so they would go through the iterations and say, test 10 different tongs. And they would say, this one's the best and here's why. Mm -hmm. What was great about that was that was our product development process that somebody was then showcasing the end result from. So that definitely helped. Um, And then also I would say Food Network, um, that kind of boom in consumer interest of like, what do the real chefs use? And a lot of them were using OXO products. And so it became a very natural thing for them to, to want to buy into what they were seeing. They're kind of like heroes in the culinary world using as well.
0: Got it. All right. So let's get into February 2020. You joined as president. What was, what was your mandate sort of when you walked to the door? What were you trying to do?
1: Um, <laughs> when I walked into the door, we were really at this fantastic inflection point as a business, where we had this great portfolio of product that was really starting to click and hum in the marketplaces and with our retailers, like you know Creighton Burrell and Sur La Table and Williams Sonoma and just all these wonderful culinary retailers and. Over the years, as I said, like the product focus had really honed in, and we were making product that consumers were really excited about that was not necessarily gifty or one-time purchase. It was ongoing planogram product that was selling really well at retail. And so really the mandate was, we've got this stable of wonderful products. Let's take it to the next level. We've got great manufacturing. We have great product. We have great marketing. Like Now is the time to pour fuel onto the fire. And two weeks later, you know, we got the call and said, hey, you know what? Don't come into the office for a week or so while this thing dies down. And and here we are.
0: <laughs> so how so how did you respond? I mean, like, or I guess the first question I'll be is like, let's say pre-2020, what was your revenue mix in terms of wholesale to DTC?
1: So we've always been omni-channel. Um, so as a digitally native brand, um, It was interesting because I think that Josh and Eric hit on something very early, which was if you are self-funding, as much as you'd love to have all your first-party data and have that direct relationship with your customers, you also need to pay the bills, you need to keep the lights on, you need to buy more inventory. So they really had an interesting mix very early of both marketing direct-to-consumers. But also working with, you know, West Elm was our first large retail partner and really helped them kind of jumpstart the mason cocktail shaker and barware into, you know, into a retailer. And so from the very beginning, we've always been a pretty healthy blend of D 2 C and retailers. Um, I would say that we leaned further into retailers early just because, you know, large orders It helped us um, with cash flow. It helped us with product development. But we've always been a nice mix. Going into COVID, there was almost nothing in our control. And the literally the one thing that we were like, we're in charge of this part, which was direct to consumer. And we almost had the luxury of time in that, you know, in that moment in 2020, especially very early on where we said, you know what, this is going to be our singular focus. And while we're good at it, we're going to be great at it. And so we really spent time building out the website looking at the customer journey, making sure our communications to our consumers were helpful and informative and checking on all the kind of D2C boxes that we had been doing, but not with the luxury of time and focus that we had in 2020.
0: I mean given that so many retailers had to close up for a while, did you see a big dip or sort of how are we able to offset it with DDC? Sort of what, what was the overall makeup of that?
1: Yeah, that that's the other interesting part of being omnichannel retailers, you know, our independent gift stores who we love and have been big supporters from the very beginning, went completely quiet. And our department stores like our Nordstrom's and our Bloomingdale's, you know, really, obviously, they they took a hit. But because we are omni-channel, we had, uh, you know, a very healthy and robust Amazon business. We have a great direct-to-consumer business. We have a great corporate gifting business. They were the business came, it just came from different places than we'd been expecting in February of 2020. Um, but because there were pockets of uh, opportunity, you know, everybody's stuck at home, everybody's on a Zoom call. So all of a sudden, corporate gifting went through the roof and started sending out, you know, uh, you know, products to gift employees who are now remote in, in ways to kind of engage them. Um, the Amazon business, people were Shopping at home and buying everything on Amazon, so that went through the roof. So having that that really healthy platform and a balance allowed us to actually thrive in twenty twenty, um, just in different ways than we'd expected.
0: Mm-hmm. So you saw sales growth in twenty twenty to
1: twenty nineteen. We did. We we. Uh, It was unexpected at the time, you know, I think, especially in March, when everybody's thinking like, what is going to happen? Um, We pivoted pretty quickly and very early to make sure that we were leaning into the places that we saw those kind of green shoots of opportunity. And so luckily, we had the inventory to support, and our supply chain, you know, kind of stayed pretty stable, um, because we have great suppliers and great relationships. So, knock on wood, we were very lucky and have continued to see growth. Um, It started to balance out obviously now as the world opens back up and it's become a little more stable and working with our, you know, brick and mortar partners again, but we had a great growth in 2020 and 2021.
0: So uh, how did you sort of think about the marketing or change the marketing? Did you do I mean, people were stuck at home. Did you do a lot of at-home cocktails, use our mason jar shaker, like that kind of thing? But did you do a lot of outreach to influencers? Sort of what what shifted in terms of that strategy?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um- we were very focused on our make and take containers at, at the beginning of 2020. It was, you know, it was booming and that's where all the business was coming from. And so we were all about like, hey, take this with you on the go and eliminate single use plastics from your life. Mm-hmm. And when you go to your local coffee shop, have them fill up this mug. And, um, you know, instead of take, getting takeout lunch, bring your lunch. And then all of a sudden, nobody's going anywhere. Um, and so marketing really did have to ship. We leaned in more heavily into cocktails, you know. Cocktail classes, cocktail recipes. Um, you know, everybody. <laughs> there was a lot more drinking during
0: COVID. There was
1: uh, than there was in the past. Um, but also that the you know we have cocktail ice cubes that are you know big spheres and big rocks and you know, as people were stuck at home, they're thinking like, it's a little sad to just pour myself this, you know, whiskey. But if I make this cube, and it looks really elevated, and it feels like I'm at my favorite bar, it just it brought a little more joy into kind of an odd situation. And so we really saw our ice cubes, and especially our cocktail ice take off during that time. So we watch very closely our engagement, we watch our sales very closely, but also, you know, on Instagram, and whatever we're posting, like things that started going through the roof that hadn't necessarily performed before. So we really just kind of kept leaning into understanding what our consumer wanted to see and then feeding them more of that. And then the other part besides cocktails is as people were stuck at home, you know, everybody became much more aware of your space and hey, it's kind of cluttered. And hey, you know, I'm cooking everything for myself and I've got things in my pantry that are four years old and maybe it's time to like freshen this place up. And so the other thing that we saw is instead of make and take containers in our Porter collection, where people were kind of eliminating plastic use on the go, people really started leaning into eliminating single-use plastics in your kitchen and in your everyday. So, you know, disposable Ziploc bags and, you know, food delivery became really important where people were cooking and storing. And so we very much have seen our consumers starting to do what we call kind of plastic-free your fridge and taking these beautiful containers that are kind of all mix and match and designed to go together and completely redoing the refrigerator make it plastic free and so that's if you look at our Instagram and you look at our email um, we've really tapped into an influencer base. We've taken you know great pictures of people really trying to tame their, tame their refrigerator, tame their pantry and make their food not only plastic free, but easier to see so that you can eliminate food waste. Like if you've ever gone to the grocery store and you're like, I'm going to eat so much kale and I'm just going to buy a lot of it because I'm feeling very virtuous. And then it kind of like goes into your crisper and two weeks later, you're like, I feel bad but now I need to throw it away. Um, Showing your food in your refrigerator and, and being able to see what you have in there is one of the most important things in eliminating food waste. So we have these great containers and bags that you can put it front and forward and see your, see your food. And it really does help you remember what's in your refrigerator. And when you organize it, you really do end up throwing away a lot less of your food.
0: Wow, so you mentioned earlier that your supply chain didn't get too messed up where Where are you predominantly supply getting your supplies from how how where what is this overall manufacturing landscape for you guys?
1: Yeah, so we have a really good um supply chain from China um we also do some of our sourcing from the US when it comes to our cocktail syrups so really the domestic disruption was just raw ingredients you know we use pretty pretty premium ingredients and so some of those just became suddenly unavailable um and then in china we work primarily with um factories that are i would say top of the line um and i mean that by paying their paying their you know their workers a very fair living wage having you know great uh you know i want to say we have a premium on our product, but it's a premium for a reason, because we really care about the supply chain. And we care about the factories. We care about the people who make our product. And I think that some of the biggest disruptions happened in the in the factories where uh, the product that was being produced was only at a price. Right. It was the lowest cost. It was the lowest price. And I think for us, ours became more stable in that environment because they weren't losing their workers and um, they had access to the raw materials because they pay for the best materials and they have good relationships with their suppliers. So it just ended up working out that the, the relationships that we've built over the years with these really quality suppliers stood us in good stead throughout the pandemic.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. You mentioned that you know your prices are somewhat at a premium, and I wanted to ask you about this because... This is something I find very fascinating in the branding world, specifically for kitchen products, where they they have a utility, but there's also a design element. And so, for W and P specifically, do people seek it out for the name or for the product itself and the fact that you have these cool, desi- you know? I, I see Instagrams all the time where you, you see pl- you know plastic bags that are reusable, different things like that, and I don't necessarily know the name of the brand, but I know that that product exists. Is that sort of the world that you're in? Or do you have, or are people like, no, everything is W&P?
1: I hope we get to the place where they say everything in my kitchen is W&P. <laughs> that's, that's sort of the dream, right? Um, I would say it's it's kind of equal measure. Um if you're looking for uh, a product, like you might see somebody walking down the street that has this gorgeous mug and you're like, where did you get that? And I think they're pretty much drawn to the look of the product. And then once they buy the product, functionally, they're sold. So, you know, it's it's hard to say because we engage so much with our community. I think that we have kind of a little bit of a warped sense of like, they are seeking us out for the, the brand name. Um, but I think, you know, just as easily, you might be walking through Nordstrom's and see a, a really cool lunch bowl and want to take that with you and, and buy it. And then you fall in love with the brand.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, cocktail flavors, or I forget what exactly what the word was. When did you get into food or sort of what, what was the decision behind that?
1: So cocktail syrups, um, I would say that early on, one of the biggest hits after the Mason Cocktail Shaker was our cocktail kits. Um, And the cocktail kits were really designed to basically like have a little tin um, that you could take on the plane with you. And it has this really premium, uh, you know, small batch cocktail syrup and then all the little tools that you would need to mix like a really great margarita on the airplane. And so that's kind of the the entree into um, the syrups. And then people said, oh my gosh, I love this old-fashioned syrup. Like, I want a larger size of it. So then we started producing the larger kind of like one ounce and eight ounce so that you could have that same experience at home. But really it started with that pain point of like, you're on the plane, you have access to alcohol, but you don't have – you, you want to make a premium cocktail. You just don't have the right ingredients. And so that was another one of their, you know, brain children. And that's another product that during – kind of COVID virtual happy hours, you can't you can't clink and cheers with your coworkers, but you can all mix a, a really great high end margarita, you know, at your desk together on Zoom. So that's another pocket of opportunity that we saw.
0: Is that the only food product you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um does that dry, is that a, a very popular one very more popular ones or sort of how how does that would, fit into the portfolio?
1: Yeah, I would say it's probably more of a legacy item, right? We have demand for it, but it's not our focus. And that's that part of that, like, narrowing down of, like, what do we stand for? And really, we really stand for the products that you use in your kitchen and that you use on a daily basis, right? We want to be that go to for both functionality and fashion. And when I say fashion, I don't mean like trend, but I do mean on trend, right? We want to make we want to make a product that you use daily that makes you happy and joyful when you're using it. And I think that we've really started to move away from extra, you know, extra categories, or at least not innovating into those categories in a big way. It it's great. It's profitable. People love it, but we're not really focused on it as a brand. We're really moving into kind of pure kitchen products,
0: if you will. Got it. So what has the focus been for last year in 2021? What were the, did you expand into new products? How did you go about figuring out wh- wh- where your next entry point would be?
1: Yeah, we, we, we've been innovating the whole time. Um, you know, that's, that's, that to me is the most fun part of the job, right. Is imagining what doesn't exist and then and sort of having this vision of like, you know what I would really like I like a product that does this or I wish my, you know, I wish my salad bowl did this like those are the types of things that I think are the most fun for for product development people or people who geek out on, you know, making new things and inventing new things. So what we did is very early in kind of 2020. We have a platform, the very great platform where we have sister brands wild one dog accessories, carat which is luxury wireless charging. Um so it's not just the WMP brand. We had, you know, a l- much larger kind of focus group if you will and we set up brainstorms and we asked our, you know, teammates like, "Hey, how have your habits changed in COVID? Like what are you doing more of? What are you doing less of in the kitchen? What are your pain points? What do you wish you know, there was a there was a solve for. Um, We did very similar things with our community, sort of like active listening, when people are saying, you know, like making comments about what they're loving, what they're, you know, annoyed with. And so through those, through those sessions and focus groups and conversations with consumers and with coworkers, we really came to start to narrow in on um, what we could do that would be really additive in terms of value. So a couple of things in the kitchen space itself in terms of like refrigerator and freezer storage. Um, In 2020, we launched Porter Bags, which had been, uh, you know, we had developed earlier, obviously. Um, but those Porter bags are basically reusable, endlessly reusable silicone bags. The beauty is that they don't have any adhesive, so you can flip them inside out and thoroughly clean them, right? So people want to eliminate, you know, Ziploc and, and kind of plastic bags in there every day, but there's a couple of pain points, and some of them are like, it's really hard to clean or I can't see what's in there. So we did launch Porter bags, which was um, a great success, but that had been something that had been, you know, ideated previously. Um <clears throat> We also um, launched one of the things about the ceramic mug that I said is obviously our, you know, one of our top sellers. It doesn't insulate your drink, right? And people really like to have a hot beverage on the go or even just sitting at your desk. Sometimes you want a product that will keep it hot for long if you're a sipper. And so people would say, hey, I love that this is a ceramic mug. I love the quality of drinking out of ceramic. But it, it cools off too quickly. It cools off like a regular mug would. And I'd like one that's like this, but insulated. And that's, um, that's been a really big collection launch for us, which is launching a line of insulated bottles and drinkware that is completely coated in ceramic inside and out. So it has all the heat and cold retaining properties of double-wall vacuum insulated, but your lips are only ever touching ceramic, both exterior and your beverage is only touching ceramic. So you have a really nice, clean taste with no metallic aftertaste, and you have the benefit of drinking out of a ceramic mug with the properties of insulated mugs. And so that's been big. We launched bottle, tumbler, uh, wine glass, and then we'll be launching a larger one later this year. And that collection has been fantastic for us, like really from the get-go. Um, we've also launched additional freezer, um, freezer opportunities, so cup cubes, which is ways to store like one of, one of the things everybody was doing was like, I'm doing big meal prepping. I'm doing batch cooking, right? I'm trying to feed my family, and I'm also working on a you know Zoom calls until six o'clock, and then I've got three kids to feed. What am I feeding them? I have to you know feed them something healthy and nutritious, but I don't have the time. So we really saw batch cooking as a big opportunity. So we launched Cup Cubes, which are basically uh, one cup containers that allow you to freeze soups, stews, broths, so you can basically pop out a pre-portioned meal anytime.
0: Wow. Um, you mentioned We've earlier. Been busy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Um, I wanna try it all. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier that you you you've I don't know if you've like dug in or you 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 focus <coughs> a lot on sort of influencer partnerships or you're working with you know different types of social personalities. Who? What are the types that really work for WMP? I can see it sort of going multiple ways. One being more kitchen-focused people or food bloggers, that type of thing, but also lifestyle people who are out in the woods, you know, showcasing them eating something. What What have you found works the best and that actually leads to conversion?
1: It's interesting because there are so many ways we could go. And I think it's easy to say, like, oh, I want to go with um, lifestyle influencers where this product matches like their outfit or what they're doing out in the wild um, or food bloggers who make absolutely gorgeous food. And that also resonates with our consumer. And, oh, we can work with home organizers and people who do pantry styling and fridge styling. And so it, it can be a little overwhelming to see yourself in so many places. And so what we really honed in on is food, right? Food and drink is our, it's our wheelhouse, Sometimes there are moments where, you know, we'll have these great selfies of people like their nails match their mug. And our, our community loves that. Right. Because we are both aesthetically driven and functionally driven. But really, at the end of the day, it's back to the basics of food and beverage. Like it's what we're about, the joy that people find in making their food, the joy that they have in showcasing their food. Like social media really allows everybody to be that like chef that they want to be and take a gorgeous picture. You know, it used to be everybody was taking pictures of what they were eating. Like, Oh, I'm at this great restaurant. How how beautiful is this food? And it's really become more like I'm stuck at home and, but I made this beautiful food and taking a picture of that and sharing it. So firing, finding those sort of inspiring recipes, tips, tricks, and hacks on how you can use our product. So for example, um, one of our best posts is really about like uh, you can take a porter bag and you put it over your herbs, right? you put your herbs in a container, you put the porter bag over your herbs, and it keeps them fresh for weeks, right? So no, you, you no longer feel bad about that cilantro that's like slowly turning to slime in your refrigerator, like it, it keeps it fresh for like several weeks. So those are those kind of unlocks that our community absolutely loves recipe inspiration. Um, and sometimes it's just literally like my cup matches my nails, and that makes me happy. And we're happy with that, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Are you guys on TikTok at all?
1: We are. We are we're we were a little slow uh, to get on TikTok. I would say um, we had a li- really big focus on Instagram and that community we've built it over the years. And um, TikTok, I think you have to really be authentic on that platform, right? Like taking very staged prop shots, like it doesn't work. It's very um, it's very rough. It's very fast, and so um, we're we've just started. I'd say over over the last year, really started to build up our content there, but we wanted to wait and make sure that we were doing it in a way that didn't feel um, stodgy. Right. It has to be, it's a, it's a younger generation. It's a faster generation. I have, I have three boys who are like obsessed with TikTok and they have a completely different language. Like they make jokes and they have like a vernacular that I'm like, what? But they all know what they're talking about. Right. So we didn't want to come on that platform and just seem like off Right, but there are some amazing food trends that are happening on TikTok and really take the you know cultural zeitgeist by storm. And so we're really watching and um, leaning into that as a platform, especially you know as you know with with Instagram becoming more challenging as a, you know an acquisition source. You know we we have to look further afield. It can be easy to stay focused on like oh this is working, let's do this. But in the same way that we're an omni channel brand, right? And when COVID hit, we were like. We're okay because we have eight channels and we're going to lean into these because these are working and and these aren't, and we're going to wait for these to come back. As digital marketers, we really have to have that full 360 view. And I think that's also the benefit of the platform that we're on at the Very Great Platform is that... We have sister brands and we're always talking about like what's working for you, what's happening, what are your acquisition costs? What are you seeing, you know, what are you seeing in terms of a trend here? And so we're able to kind of cross pollinate and share. So I do feel like we really have our finger on the pulse of like, let's make sure we don't have all our eggs in this, this one particular basket, which has been great.
0: So do you find that TikTok is yet an acquisition source or is it just brand building and you're, you're going into it and hoping that it will soon lead to the conversions like Instagram?
1: Yeah, it's actually both. So when I think about, you know, there's kind of th- those two paths, right? So there's the the UGC on TikTok of people just filming things and, and tagging you. Um, and then there's the advertising platform. And, and we've been quite successful at the advertising platform um, of doing short form video of, you know, whether it's been filmed by an influencer or by us internally. Um, so we are seeing that and, and we're really spending a lot of time there. Um, because we want to make sure that we are kind of broadening our reach and also reaching a younger consumer, um, but we've spent time there. We still spend lots of time on Instagram, but we're also constantly always exploring like what are the other ways that people can discover us and how can we be authentic in that platform and, and with the right brand tone and voice for that audience.
0: Got it. Well, we're almost running out of time, but I have so many questions I want to ask you. But I guess as things are reopening how are you approaching retail partners what is what is your strategy with that is it more curated are you hoping to go further in with more national retailers
1: yeah um first of all we're just happy to see our our traditional retailers back you know it's they've they've had a hard go of it for the past 2 years and so we're eager to be back in person and and showcasing our new product to them um we're always looking for new retail partners but i would say um for us, it's about product development, right? We don't want to kind of be everything to everyone. I think we're really singularly focused on kitchen products and showing up in the retailers where consumers are shopping for better kitchen products is, is really our sweet spot. And we're really focused on product development and innovating and inventing new categories that consumers aren't even aware of that they need. And so when we look at what we're doing for now and for the future, um, there's a lot of exciting innovation that's happening. We're testing new materials. We're always trying to figure out how to eliminate single use plastics in your kitchen. Um, so there's a lot of interesting and fun stuff happening there. But I would say kind of owning your fridge and owning your freezer has been a real focus for us, which is kind of making sense of that space and making it organized and cohesive and clear. And, you know, when you look at a very tidy pantry, you feel this sense of like calm and you're like, yeah, I did that. And, People don't quite feel that way about their refrigerator yet, yet, and they really don't feel that way about their freezer. So we're really looking to give people tools um, to to kind of own that space in the kitchen, which is so often visited, but often lacking in kind of aesthetics and functionality. So that's, that's where we're focused. And then our insulated collection has just been an absolutely huge hit. So we're really focused on corporate gifting there um, and also, you know, just acquiring consumers. Because I think once you have a product from that line that you fall in love with and you say, okay, I can drink iced tea with lemons in it and it doesn't taste a little bit off, or I can have a matcha in this ceramic tumbler and it doesn't oxidize or taste weird to me, we've got a customer for life. And and really what we want to continue to do is delight that customer, bring them back to the site. We're a bit agnostic about where a consumer encounters us. If they find us at Nordstrom's, if they find us at Sur La Table, if they find us online, Those are all good. We want their experience to be just such a good one that they have that heart share and that love with the brand and they'll come back. And I don't care where they go back to. What I care is that they go back.
0: So is corporate gifting a a big chunk of the business or how how do you view that? It it is?
1: Yeah, it is. It's um, in that arena. It's really moved away from like pens and, you know, like freebies and like swag in that, in that way. And I think brands, you know, from a sustainability perspective, they don't want to be handing out stuff that, that gets thrown away. They want to be handing out products with their name on it that resonate with what they want people to think about with their brand. Right. So if you get a cheap, you know, throwaway pen, I don't think you're going to have that like long lasting, heartfelt feeling about the brand and say like, Oh, I love that company that gave me that Crappy pen, right? But if you get a tumbler um, that has the brand name on it, but you fall in love with that Tumblr, you also fall in love with the brand that gave it to you. you get you get a little more heart share. So I think that that category has really kind of upscaled in a way um, of making sure that what they're giving out with their name on it is something that the consumers that they gift it to are going to love and come back for. And so what's been wonderful about that category is that as people get it then they start asking for it. They say, oh, like, I love that. I love that W&P mug that you gave me. We should get more from them. And so it becomes this really wonderful flywheel of like, them coming back to us and saying, "Like our customer loves us. Can we get more? And what else are you working on?
0: Wow. I love that. The evolution of swag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kate, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, asking me. I hope that I, every time I listen to your podcast, I come away with like, even if it's outside of, you know, you know, kitchen space or food and beverage, I always come away with a little tidbit. So I hope I've been able to offer a tidbit or two
0: to your listeners. I think you have. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gail. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week we